Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 227, The Magic of Surrender with Coop Blackson. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Changeable. My guest in today's episode is Coop Blackson. You may have heard of him. He is a best-selling author. He's a very passionate speaker, and you'll get to hear some of his passion and enthusiasm and just the way that he articulates things um, here in this episode. is It was really awesome to be part of and to be in conversation with him. Um, in this conversation that we have, we mostly talked about surrender. So his newest book is called The Magic of Surrender. And it really kind of comes off the heels as far as I could see with, with the death of his mother and so much surrender, as you can imagine, maybe as you've experienced, that has to come with something huge like that happening. And Coot talks about how, you know, when he first heard that his mother was sick, he, he instantly, you know, all the resources and all the supplements and all the doctors and all the things that he thought she should do. And how he was constantly met with her and her her ideas of, of what should happen and, and truly not even her ideas of what should happen. I mean, where she really was was in a place of surrender and how I just appreciate so much how difficult that can be when someone around us, even though they they seem completely at peace with their own decision, man, you know, it's tough because it's like, how how do you argue with that? But at the same time, when our ego has its own agenda, in this case, for him to have his mom alive as long as possible, what a, what a feat in surrender. And so I just love how he shares how that went for them in the closeness and the deep peace of mind that was possible for them at the end of her life because of both of their surrender, hers first, but but his as well. So we talk about misconceptions around surrender. We talk about what what we even mean by surrender, given that potentially there is no free will. <laughs> we talk about um, how surrender is a move from ego to soul, from asking what I want to what wants to happen, which you know, is one of my favorite questions. Um, we talk about the role of grief and surrender. So many, so many great things, so much ground covered in this conversation. So if you're a fan of Coot already, or if this is your first experience of him, I know you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Hi, Coot. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to, to talk about surrender and um, resistance and all kinds of things. So a lot of what I share here and what our listeners are, are really into is um, the idea of surrender and resistance. But I think even bigger, which I'm excited to chat with you about, is like, you know, I think in this concept of surrender, it can feel like there's some, like we're letting go, which sort of implies that we're making things happen if we're not surrendered. <laughs> and so I'd love to look at that a little bit. Like how much are we really even making happen in life? Because we certainly seem to go through life under the assumption and acting as if we are making things happen. So, um, so maybe we can look at that. But before we go there, I would love for you to say a little bit about how this topic even came up for you. So I've, I've heard and was really moved by you talking about um, being with your mother as she died and how that really showed you a lot about surrender. So maybe we could start there. Yeah. Um, you know, this, the, the, the surrender book wasn't the book I thought I was going to write. It wasn't the topic I wanted to write, had an intention to write. I had all sorts of um, ideas of the book I thought I should write of um, the book I thought would be bestsellers, and none of them, as great as they were, none of them really resonated. None of them felt true in my being. And so when I, when I really looked at all of the ideas, the only topic word that stood out for me was the word surrender. And so I had to surrender to the book about surrender, and that's when I felt that there was the book had a soul of its own. It had an energy of its own, and it was the book that was seeking to be written. And so when I surrendered to that, everything flowed. Um, in 2016, 
my mother was who I was very close to. She was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And that was at the end of 2016. It was a big shock. And so living in Los Angeles, I started to fly back and forth from LA to London literally every month for a week to just be with her. And I had every intention to heal her, to get her well with different alternative therapies and green juices and supplements. And um, I would say a few months into it, I think I realized that she's on her own journey. And I don't think, no matter what I do, I don't think it's going to work. I began to have that realization. So I began to surrender. I began to let go. Um, and I would just sit with her in her chemo sessions and hold her hand. And we would talk about nothing and everything and things that were important, things that weren't. And we would take walks in the park and we would just sit in the park and, you know, have a cup of tea. All these things that I thought I didn't have time for or thought weren't that important, all of a sudden became so precious because I re in the surrender and acceptance to the reality that she might die, she's probably going to die, the reality and the sacredness and the preciousness of life became so clear. And for me, I began to think, shit, why did I wait till she was dying to really prioritize these seemingly ordinary moments. And so about six months into the process, uh, my the doctors basically said, there's nothing else that we can do for you. So put your affairs in order. And basically they say you're going to die in a nice way. So get ready. And as much as I'd been making peace with it, it's still hard. It's still uh, challenging and heartbreaking and difficult. And so when I heard the reality of this news that I knew was coming. Um, I remember looking into my mother's eyes in the parking lot of the hospital and holding her hand, realizing these are the last moments I have with my mother and this is real and I'll never get to who knows how long, but I won't be able to have these conversations with the, the most important person in my life. And so I looked my mother in the eyes and the first thing I asked her was, are you afraid? My mother said to me, you know, she's a Japanese woman and, and, and this little Japanese woman, she says to me, you know, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not this body, that this body is just the temporary vehicle from my soul. And so I'll be with you from the other side. And I really felt the, the truth for her, the conviction that deep knowing that she had, not as an intellectual idea, but she was totally in peace because she knew who she was. And so I asked my mother, is there anything that I can do for you, uh, for you in your final days to be a good son? Um, what do you need? What do you want? What can I do? Where do you want to go? What can I buy you? And my mother just looked me in the eyes and she said, there's nothing I want. And there's nothing I need. All I want is what God wants for my life. And it was such a simple statement, not even like a religious statement, but it was just a simple statement of like what I realized in that moment was she was totally surrendered. And the reason that she was in peace, the reason that she was calm, the reason that she was free. You know, this entire year, she didn't cry. She didn't complain. She, was, she genuinely wasn't mad. It wasn't a spiritual bypass. She was truly in peace was because she was surrendered. She, excuse me, she was, um, she wasn't attached to living and she wasn't attached to dying. She was just open to whatever God, the universe, whatever her soul's journey was. And that was her freedom. And so I really saw that she was living surrender. She was embodying surrender. And she'd been living this my entire life from how she met my father and married my father, who was from Ghana and had never left the country, seen a foreigner, didn't even, had never met him, never even seen a picture of him, but suggested getting married because of a soul calling. I mean, this woman had been living surrender and demonstrating surrender, but I hadn't realized because, you know, she's my mother, right? And who cares? And big deal. And so you could say in that moment, I had this epiphany that, that, that I thought, wow, she's like, 
a little enlightened being, and I didn't even know. And and so I started to see and feel the profound power of surrender in even the most dire situation, not on a mountaintop in India in an ashram, but in the face of death. And I started to see that surrender is perhaps the most powerful thing that we can do. Surrender is the key to peace, the key to freedom. Surrender is the password to freedom. Surrender is the key to the next level of manifestation. That if you look at any of the truly great ones, whether it's Jesus, whether it's Buddha, whether it's Gandhi, whether it's Mother Teresa, whether it's Mandela, whether it's Martin Luther King, whether Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, they all so got to the point where they surrendered themselves to life. They surrendered themselves to the universe. They surrendered themselves to the infinite intelligence. They surrendered themselves to that purpose that was bigger than themselves. And in that, in that surrender, they, tre- they went beyond their own human egos, limitations, and they accessed a dimension of themselves that was infinite. And life began to... It's as though life began to manifest through them and life began to flow through them. And, and that's when I think they were used in ways and magic began to happen. And so I think my mother, for me, really demonstrated that in such a, I don't know, a gentle way, a real way, like she was going to die even in the face of her death. And, and, and that's what, what stuck with me. And I think in our culture today, we have this misconception that surrender is weak and surrender is passive and surrender is giving up and surrender means waving the white flag that you're going to be taken advantage of, you're going to be doormat, you're going to be left behind, that you won't manifest your goals, dreams and desires, that you're going to get less. And I'm actually saying, what if you didn't get less in life? What in fact, if you got more, more, maybe not what you expected, but more than you could have imagined and visualized with your own limited human ego's capacity to manifest and project. And so just to set the context, really what I saw is surrender is to let go of control, or I should say the illusion that we're in control, because I think in so many ways we're not in control. Um, life is unfolding. Life is happening. If, if the last two years have shown us anything, it's shown us that maybe we, we weren't as in control as we thought as human beings. Surrender is when we try, when we let go of trying to manipulate and force life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should be and how we think life should be, who we think we should be. And it's the willingness to take the limits off of life and be available and be open and be receptive so that we can allow the life that is authentically seeking to unfold to to emerge and express through us. And um, I think that's the magic. And I think when we do that, um, that's when the magic happens. Yeah. I love that. Wow. I mean, that's such a real, beautiful story. And like you said, it. I don't know, there's something about it just being so intimate and real. And this is a woman's life and death and so different from how we often talk about this, about our goals and what we want. And it just really, really brings it home. That place of, of you initially saying, okay, mom, we're going to, I'm going to get all the green juices and all the best people. And we're going to fight this, which is, you know, what I think most people would initially bring to a situation like that. I feel like that's such a sticking point for so many of us because that feels like, like we deeply, deeply want that. And, and in a sense, there's a momentum behind that. Like, come on, let's fight this. Let's do this. And so I don't know what you can say about that, but I feel like that's a place, you know, where we often get stuck. Like, should I fight or should I surrender? And I, even as I say that, I'm guessing that's a false dichotomy, but yeah, I, I don't think it's that. either or. I think we we have to do our best and give our best. But sometimes we project and get so attached to an outcome or we get so attached to how we think something should be and what we think somebody's journey is. And the truth is I soon realized that my mother had her own soul's journey. My mother had her own soul lessons. And even though I wanted her to live and I thought it should be a certain way, she had her own soul journeys and lessons and things she needed to go through and grow through. And so I think when we start 
shifting our perception to a bigger perception so that we can start perhaps seeing ourselves as souls, not just this human beings, personalities that were born and we die, but that we're souls. We incarnate into this human experience in order to learn, to grow, to evolve, that in fact life is a classroom for our soul's evolution. In fact, life is like a university. And so uh, every experience, every situation, every relationship, every dynamic, every heart, everything we go through is really the curriculum and the teacher for our soul's growth and evolution. And we can shift our perception that way and see ourselves as souls then every moment becomes an opportunity to learn. And then we see, well, everybody has a different classroom. Everyone has different lessons. And so I think it's not about doing nothing. But I realized I was trying to like impose my will on my mother, and she had her own journey. And so if life is a school, then I think when we learn the lessons, we get to graduate from the situation or maybe from the school of life. And on some level, I... I realized that perhaps my mother's journey um, in this human form was complete. And if her journey was complete, that it was her time to move on, that wasn't a failure. It was just that her job, her, her learning in this life was done. And so I think we can't, like surrender doesn't mean just giving up and say, oh, I'm just going to like sit on the couch and not pay my rent. Um, I'm going to just sit on the couch and not give 100%. So, so in the terms of, let's say, dreams, visions, goals, desires, here's what I would say. The old paradigm is all about the ego-based model for manifesting your life. And that's not good or bad. It's just limited. And I think we're being, the universe is teaching us as a humanity a new way of operating. And the last two years, call it a pandemic, has been initiating us into kind of like uh, forcing us to let go of our sense of egoic control to, to be in this, I don't know what's going to happen in the next moment and lockdowns and pandemics and this and that. It's like, I don't know, to be thrown into the unknown so that we're being forced to go a bit deeper. And so the old paradigm, I think, has been really about asking the question, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Like get clear on what you want and then go for it and make it happen. And, and so I think sometimes, and I've certainly been there, you experience that you get what you, you might achieve what you thought you wanted only to realize that what you achieved was just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. And it doesn't really fulfill you. It wasn't what you really wanted. And so there are limitations to this make it happen force force. And it's not flow. Surrender is about flow. And so the question becomes more about, okay, what is it? What is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that the universe is seeking to express? What is it that life, the universe, is seeking to manifest through me? And allowing yourself, rather than forcing, to feel, to become still, to attune to the deepest impulse, the deepest expression, the deepest intuition, the deepest flow of what life is seeking to express through us. And then aligning your mind, your thoughts, your skills, your talents, your personality, your resources, your money, your marketing, your strategy with that, and then giving 100%. But now you are in alignment, giving 100% to what's authentic versus what you think it should be or what you're trying to make it to be, but it's not. And so when you're in alignment, give 100%. But I think what's important is you, you don't get so attached to the outcome. Like, it's got to be this person that I marry. It's got to be this, this goal. It's got to be this way. It has to look like this. And so I think when you give it 100% and you give your best, just I'm going to give my best. And then you remain open at the same time. Like, okay, and let's see what happens. And so for me, with my mother, I came at it like, okay, I brought all these supplements and everything and and and. She was, I would get frustrated because she wasn't taking every supplement and she wasn't, you know, following my protocol to the T and she wasn't, you know, cutting off sugar completely and she wasn't doing, and in, in, in my attachment and frustration, I wasn't present with her. Yeah. In my frustration and, 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 and anxiety and upset that she wasn't following my protocol, otherwise she was going to die, I wasn't being with her effectively. I was killing the moment that I had with her because I was so upset at her for not 
following my protocol. And then I realized, you know what? I'm, I'm forcing something. This is not a flow. And I'm missing the moment I have with her. And so I just, I, what I ended up doing was I presented her with all the options. I brought her everything, shared my knowledge, shared everything, and, and allowed her the space to participate in that to the best of her ability rather than you're not doing this and you're not doing that. It's just, okay, whatever she does is the best she can do and she'll do the best. And, and so in that flow, we give 100%, but it's a letting go of the attachment to how it should look and, the, uh, and that it has to look the way we have in our minds because many times our ego and the perception of our ego and our ego's capacity to see something is limited. Yeah. And how often, I mean, every one of us can look back. I certainly can a ton and say, thank God I did not get what I wanted in so many cases. Like you said, like, this has to be the person I marry. Thank God I didn't marry half those people that I thought I needed. Right. If we look back and go, if we look, if everybody looks back at that one person that you thought (laughs) was the one, yeah. Even the universe, the astrology, the signs, the psychic, your friend, everything lined up from the cosmos and like, this is it. And it didn't happen. And we were heartbroken and we couldn't even imagine another kind of love like that. Yeah. We got over it. Here we are today, 2022. And imagine we look back and then we go, what the hell was I thinking? Like, thank, thank God that didn't happen. And so sometimes not getting what you thought you wanted is grace. It's actually a blessing. But in the moment, from the perspective of the ego, we are not always able to see the blessing in the moment because the ego's perception is so limited. So it's like looking at a painting and looking at a very small piece of the painting that we're not able to see the infinite possibilities, the infinite tapestry of what is unfolding. And so I think when something doesn't happen, typically we contract, we collapse, we feel cursed, we try to control more, rather than I think a key quality in surrender is stepping back and cultivating curiosity. Curiosity is like, okay, what could this mean? Okay, if this isn't working out, what more amazing thing could be seeking to happen? And stepping back and trusting that the universe is always working for our highest good, even if we can't see it right now. And if we look at some of the best things that have, if everyone right now looks at, looks at like three of the best things that have happened to you, meeting the love of your life, having your kid, this, that, whatever it is, did you plan it? Most of the best things we didn't plan. Yeah. They just, oh, I met my soulmate. You didn't say, okay, 9 a.m., 915 in Chicago, you know, at this downtown, uh, 8th and Grand, I'm going to go and my soulmate will be waiting for me there. I'm going to manifest him or her by October the 22nd. It it happens. It it happens in the process of living life. And many of the best things are surprises, you know, blessings that we didn't even see coming. And so... I think that's what happens when we truly surrender. When th- Here's what I would, will also just say that might help people. When things don't manifest or we feel we don't succeed, things don't happen, there's usually a few reasons. Number one, the first reason is the thing that you want to manifest is possibly not the most, uh, is not the most authentic, aligned is is not aligned with your highest soul's intention. And so it's just kind of what you think you want, but it's not in alignment with what your soul is seeking to express. And so there's roadblocks. The universe doesn't open up. That's one. Uh, so we have to step back. Rather than force, we have to step back and reevaluate, like, what's authentic? What's true? And I think even COVID, the pandemic, gave us all an opportunity, like it or not, agree with it or not, to step back for a moment and reevaluate what's true, what's important, what's my purpose, right? And so that's the first reason. The second reason is sometimes it's just not the season yet. It's not the right time yet. It's not divine timing. And so I think we have to step back and trust the cycle and the seasons and be patient in that time and cultivate ourselves. Number three, this is one that most people often miss, that we haven't learned the lessons, the soul lessons, if we're souls, we haven't learned the lessons where we are 
with who we're with quite yet. And so if life is a classroom, all lessons are repeated until learned. And so if we haven't quite learned the lessons yet, the next level of manifestation and possibility doesn't unfold. And so I think what we can do, and often what we do is we force and we force and we force. And so what we can do in those moments is actually step back and reflect on the situation and ask ourselves, why did my soul attract this situation? What is my soul seeking to learn in this experience? And when we can learn the lessons where we are with who we're with, that's what unlocks the key. That, that, that's the key to unlock the next level of manifestation and relationship and possibility in our life. It's interesting to think about life also as a projection of our own thinking yep. in this yep. sense, right? Because it's like, like, like to your point, that just leads us right back to curiosity. Like, oh, I keep thinking, I keep having the experience of not getting what I want. Well, how, like, it's not life doing that. Life is neutral. Mm-hmm. Life is just lifing, right? And we're seeing it the way that we're seeing it. So that's that feels really tied into this, to see this yep. as a projection, which again, just let's just turn back around and be curious about, wow, yeah. how is it being, why is it being projected in this way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know, the way I see it in life, you don't get what you want. You don't get what you intend. You don't get what you like. You don't get what you pray about. You don't get what you visualize in life. You get what you are. Yeah. You get what you are. And life I feel is a profound uh, teacher, life is a profound feedback mechanism. Life is the ultimate mirror. And in life, you attract to you in the form of experiences, relationships. Life is a mirror. Life really is a mirror manifestation of your own consciousness projected out here. And so if life is a mirror, when we look at our lives, I think we have to ask ourselves, if we want to be free, if we want to evolve, if we want to grow, if we want to transcend to that next level, I think we have to ask, rather than looking at life and blaming life and just trying to change what's out there, we have to ask ourselves, what is my life reflecting to me about myself? What is my life reflecting to me about my subconscious, my deeply held beliefs? I tell people, if you want to see what's in your subconscious and what you're really, really believing about yourself all day long, look at your life. Your life is a projection and a reflection of what's really going on. So if life is a mirror, rather than fighting the mirror, change the projection. And I think that's, that's the, like, if there's any control we have, that's the control we have, which is to investigate our own consciousness and shift ourselves. Yeah. And, and when we don't see that, we're just constantly trying to change the mirror and wondering why it never works. So it's like the total yeah, uh, wrong tr- direction. Trying to change the person, trying to change our yeah. spouse, trying to change the government, trying to change this, trying to change. And, and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, no. So I love that. I always, um, I heard this question years ago, like what, rather than what do I want, what wants to happen? So I love, it's just so aligned with what you're saying. It's like just Mm -hmm. this simple question of like, what wants to happen? Mm -hmm. It's not about me. It's not about me putting my thoughts out there, but just being attuned and open to what wants to happen and then seeing what's aligned. Um, So you talk about surrender having to do with fully feeling grief. Can you say a little bit about the connection between fully feeling grief or any emotions, I guess, and how that... Yeah, there's a a few phases of surrender, right? And so the first phase really is, or it's a pre-phase, it's kind of like we're just unconscious. We're living life and we're not, we're unconscious of, of, of any other way to live. We're just living the preset programming of our ancestors and generations. And that usually leads to suffering and frustration. And then we begin questioning. Oh, maybe, maybe life isn't the way I was taught. Maybe I'm not who I thought I am. Maybe relationships aren't supposed to be this way. And so we start questioning. And so in that questioning phase, what then happens is the next phase where we begin to resist. We start resisting because when we start questioning ourselves, it it, it can become very scary to the ego 
because, well, oh shit, if I question myself, who will I be? And if what I believe isn't true, then who am I going to be without those beliefs? And so the ego starts to, to resist as a form of self-protection. Then we move into negotiation. We begin negotiating. Well, maybe, maybe if I change, they'll change. Maybe they have potential, so I just need to see. Maybe, you know, maybe things aren't. So we begin negotiating with our reality. And some of us, we end up negotiating our entire lives away and end up never truly shifting and being happy and fulfilled and giving our gifts to the world. Because we're always like, well, when this happens, then I'll do that. And it never happens. And so we end up waiting for something to be different in the world before we truly give our gifts. We end up waiting until we're completely 100% healed before we give our gifts. And so negotiation is another phase. Then that, that next phase is we come into a state of acceptance. We're like, okay, no matter how much I negotiate about my husband, about my wife, about the situation, it's never going to be different. So I have to accept the way it is. And that can be frustrating in, in moments. Like it is the way it is. I don't like the way it is, but damn it, he's not going to change. And I have to accept it. And so acceptance is what many people think surrender is. But acceptance is not surrender. You can accept that it's raining outside, but still be kind of subtly resisting, uh, fully being open to the possibilities of the experience. So surrender is the full open-hearted participation in the process that is happening. It's like, I'm going to fully open my arms, roll my sleeves up and participate with this experience that is happening with this situation that is happening and fully participate in it, give 100% and celebrate it. Like it's raining outside. And so we're going to invite my family home and we're going to have an amazing dinner and, and, and we're going to make the best use of this experience because it must be happening for my highest good. And so that's what surrender is, the open-hearted participation. The challenge is, there's a phase in the middle between acceptance and surrender. There is a phase in the middle that most people miss that you spoke about. And that phase is grieving. Most times we don't fully allow ourselves to grieve. And because we don't fully allow ourselves to grieve, grieve and grief is a portal to surrender, to true surrender to the next level, to the next level of openness. And many times we don't truly open because we haven't allowed ourselves to grieve fully. And so there is no true, authentic surrender without grieving. Surrender is a death. True surrender is a death, a death of who we thought we were, a death of a dream. A death of, you know, moving from age 20 to age 30 to age 40 to age 50. It's like, oh shit, I'm not young anymore. I'm moving into a different phase of my life. So it's a death of an identity. And so to honor that so that we can let go, uh, the death of a relationship, to honor the grief so that we can let go and tr truly open ourselves and open our hearts to the new, we have to let go and honor the old. And so grieving is the process of honoring what was so that we can not wallow in it, but release it and let it go. And so many times in our culture, we're afraid to grieve because we're afraid if I grieve, then it's going to be too much. It's going to be overwhelming. It will never end. I'll never make it through. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, spiritual folks, we do a, a spiritual bypass of like, oh, I want to be in a high vibration, more of attraction, high vibration, high energy. And so, I, I kind of like deny the grief like it's not there and just try to be happy. But the challenge is when we suppress the grief, all feelings remain present until fully felt. And whatever we don't feel in a healthy way will manifest often in unhealthy ways and will attract the suppressed energy of what we don't allow ourselves to feel and release. Um, sometimes, too, unconsciously, we don't allow ourselves to feel the grief as an unconscious way to not – to. Basically, it's a denial tactic, an unconscious way to not acknowledge what's happened. For instance, let's just say my mother died, died, and because I don't want to accept that she's really gone, 
I don't allow myself to grieve. Because if I don't allow myself to grieve, maybe I don't have to really let in that she's gone. If I don't allow myself to grieve the end of my marriage or relationship fully, then maybe I don't really have to acknowledge that it's over, right? And so it can become an unconscious way to hold on to what was. So that is uh, some reasons why we don't grieve. And so to truly grieve, we have to be willing to be present with the grief. One way to do that, sometimes people say, could I have, I felt my grief, but it doesn't end. I felt it, I felt it, but it doesn't end. Many times we mistakenly think that we're feeling our grieving, but we're thinking about our grieving. We're analyzing our grieving and thinking about it and analyzing it isn't truly feeling it. All feelings remain present till fully felt and whatever we feel fully will begin to dissolve and some type of grief will dissolve in layers and stages. And so what I found to be really helpful is if you can take the label off of the grief, not even call it grief, and just stop thinking about it, resisting it, trying to get rid of it, and just allow yourself to feel the sensation, the sensation of the grief, to get into a relationship and feel that sensation in your body and allow yourself to fully experience the sensation of the grieving in your body completely. What will start happening is now you're, you're not resisting it. You're not trying to get, get rid of it. You are truly feeling it because you're in relationship with it. And the, and, 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 the gr- and, and the layer of the grief can complete itself. And, and, and so when we can truly release grief, our vibration shifts and we can open to the new. You know, that new, rela- many times people end the relationship, there's pain, there's heartbreak, there's grief. Because it's too painful, we numb it, we drink it away, sex it away, drug it away, or we just jump into a new relationship. So now, only 50% of our heart is available because we have a ton of grief. Now we jump into a new relationship with a ton of grief still suppressed inside of us. So now our heart's not fully available to the new. We're not able to truly surrender to the new relationship because we're actually still full of grief and afraid of getting hurt again. So now obviously the new relationship doesn't work. So now we break up. Now we have more grief and now we have more grief than before. So we jump into another relationship and the cycle continues. And And so I think, Sorry, I was to and the new relationship is not necessarily our highest calling or what wants for to sure. happen. It's for our sure. mind looking for something to keep distracting us from the grief. So that's how these exactly. patterns feel like they keep yeah. getting repeated. So I think when we can feel our grief, we can let go. And then that creates more space in our heart, in our body, in our nervous system, in our consciousness to yeah, surrender to the new. Surrender to that new possibility, that new experience, that new relationship, you know, without carrying the old fears and grief with us. It just makes so much sense. And I love that. Yes, that distinction between acceptance, which even just the word, I know it's just a word, but it feels very mental. Like I accept this. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. But that has nothing to do really with feeling and emotion Mm -hmm. and moving Mm -hmm. through. Like as we feel that, like you said. We move through to surrender where there's just no agenda. And when there's no agenda and everything's just open and anything can show up, yeah, yeah you can feel how much more expansive that is. Yeah. Many times people think they're in surrender, but they're in acceptance. And that acceptance is a form of toleration. Yeah. They tolerate like, okay, this is what my husband is. I don't like what he is. I'm going to accept it. But, I, but I'm, I'm really not happy and I'm not going to really love him fully until he changes, but I'm going to stay, but I'm not happy. And so now you're kind of like tolerating, not truly open, not truly surrendering and using this experience fully for growth, for learning, for evolution. And that just keeps us stuck. Yeah. So um, as I love this conversation, thank you so much for this. It's so, it's so good. And it's just cool to really look at this stuff that, yes. you know, I know like my listen, like we're, we're in this conversation, we hear these terms, but to just really break it down and look at it almost in this energetic way, like we just yep. feel what's showing up and it opens so much. Um, but before we end, I'm curious, how do you see free will? Like, do you see us as having control, free will, sometimes, sometimes not, yes or no? I don't know. I'm just curious how that looks to you. Um, okay, so here's what I will say. I'm going to ask 
ask a few questions. We think we have free will. But if any one of us, we look back on our relationship history, if you look, just look back on some of your relationship choices. Does anyone here, if you can be honest, and I will raise my hand, you go to yourself, what the hell was I thinking being in that relationship? Right. Yes. I mean, yes, anyone, right, right? I yes. mean, we've all been there like, what the hell was I thinking? I was smoking crack. I was, cra- I lost my mind. I, we weren't thinking, right? Yes. And so we have to ask ourselves, for someone that had free will, and we chose that, right? Like, what kind of free will is, if that's free will, <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> and so, um, in so many ways, we are conditioned. And here's the issue. We are conditioned. The degree to which we are conditioned and programmed is the degree to which we actually don't have free will. We are living the program patterns and conditioning from our childhood from our wounds, from our dysfunctions, from our parents, from our generations, from our ancestors that have been passed down to us. And we're just repeating those patterns. So as children, as children, when we're really young, we're, born, we're free. We're in touch with the infinite. We're in t- we will jump on the table naked and we don't care. Uh, we will sing until we're told, hey, you can't sing. Shut up. That sounds terrible. We, we, we don't care if we're not Bruno Mars or Celine Dion until we're conditioned. Girls don't, you know, girls should be seen and not heard. Boys don't cry. The conditioning process begins. So as children with these free beings, you know, we'll love, fully heart open. We'll, we'll, we'll cry. We'll laugh. We'll jump. We'll, we're just free. We're in touch with our freedom. Freedom is our nature. It's what we are. The challenge is we incarnate into this human experience. We meet our parents. They're just doing the best that they can do based on their childhood, their parents, their conditioning, you know, their their upbringing, society, culture. Two things happen. So now maybe dad is crazy. Maybe mom is an alcoholic. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe there's dysfunction, pain, trauma, abuse. Maybe they're just great people, but they just didn't know emotionally how to meet our needs in some way. And so two things happen. Well, we start losing touch with our sense of, true inner freedom. The first thing is as children, we learn all sorts of strategies to shut down, disconnect, not feel. It's too painful. Parents are fighting all the time. So we start suppressing our emotion, suppressing our feelings, suppressing the fear, suppressing the pain. Before you know it, layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of unfelt feeling, unfelt emotion builds up, builds up, builds up. And our true light, our true soul, our true essence gets buried underneath the layers and decades of unprocessed emotion, pain, hurt, guilt, shame, you know, sensitivity, sadness. It's a mountain. And then we start developing all sorts of um, walls, right, to navigate the pain, to deal with the pain so that we don't feel the pain. And so we erect walls around our uh, our hearts in order to function and survive. Then we learn all sorts of strategies and ways to go into the world, the sense of who do I need to be in order for mom and dad to love me? Oh, if I'm nice, dad loves me. If I'm funny, mom loves me. If I get all A's, I get a pat on the back. And so we start contorting ourselves into a kind of shape to get love, validation, and approval. And we develop all sorts of roles, masks, personas that we hold onto in order to do that. It is survival. The challenge is the degree to which we get conditioned into this version of ourselves that we think we are, it's a pattern, it's a construct, it's a program. The degree to which we get conditioned into this pattern that we've learned to become to avoid pain, to get love. And we hold on to that and it gets reinforced by people around us. The degree to which we get conditioned into that, which we all are, is the degree to which we're not free. Yeah. And so we say, oh, We've all said it. This just this is just who I am. Yeah. I'm just shy. I'm just independent. I'm just, you know, closed. I'm just not emotional. But is that who we are? Or is it just what we've been conditioned to be? And so the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. And the challenge is most of the time we're not conscious and aware of our own conditioning because we've become so identified with this way of being 
that we think that's who we are. And then society, parents reinforce that, religion reinforce that, school reinforces that, TV, media, advertising, social media, everything reinforces that. And now we get locked into this way of being. And so we go into the world and now we are responding to relationships, choosing relationships from the place of conditioning, from our wounds, trying to get needs met that weren't met as children. So as a result, we end up choosing relationships that aren't healthy or functional. So we're not free. And so part of the process, I think, of being human is to become aware of one's conditioning and programming and start to unravel and transform and heal and peel the layers away of one's conditioning layer by layer by layer by layer through the process of life and living and healing so that we can reconnect to that source of true unconditioned essence and freedom and from that place live, from that place function. From that place, we are truly liberated, right? And from that place, then I think the more we uncondition ourselves, the more we can truly choose from a free place rather than in reaction to dad and in reaction to mom and in reaction to stuff. See, because when we're locked into this sense of identity, which is conditioning, this is ego. And the ego's job, and we identify ourselves as the ego. And the ego's job is to reinforce its existence. And the ego's job is to protect us from getting hurt again. So most of us are living inside of that self-protective ego and we're not free. And that process, and I know it's a maybe not just a quick soundbite, but it's like that process, it looks to me, you tell me how it looks to you. It sounds like what you're saying is we become aware, like you said, we become aware of the conditioning. We see Step just one, what you're sharing. Awareness. Yes, we yes. see that this is even happening because before we know that we're just, we're not free and we're blind and, to it. And, and how we become aware sometimes is through the, 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 the pain and suffering we experience. And why am I going through the same? Why do I keep attracting the same patterns? And that process starts putting in our face like shit. The reason I keep attracting this is because I'm conditioned. Which is amazing. And it comes full circle to what you said, where we don't get what we want. And that's beautiful. We need to yes. not get what we want sometimes to start this exactly. process of waking up. So yes. after, or I guess in the awareness, then also it feels like such a big part of that is, like you said, is feeling, feeling, feeling what's feeling. there. We have to be willing to, in a safe way, right? Safe space, mm -hmm. feel, not wallow, feel and release. Yeah, some of the feelings that we've learned to suppress because those feelings that we've, we're trying to suppress and now we're going through our life structuring ourselves a certain way to not feel that again now limits us. Yeah. So for instance, I don't want to feel like helpless like my needs aren't being met again because my needs weren't met when I was six and I felt so helpless. So I became now Maybe people can relate to this. So you become now so super, super, super independent. I don't need anyone. So now you wonder why. Huh. Why is it so difficult to like attract a relationship and let love in? And we don't realize that unconsciously we are pushing relationship away because we don't want to be in a position where we need someone because deep down we're trying to protect ourselves from feeling the helplessness of what we might feel or the disappointment of what we felt from not having mom and dad meet our needs. So now unconsciously, we don't even realize we're not even available. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's just the defense. And so when we can start becoming aware of, and so what people often say is, there's no good men out there in the world. There's no one, there's no, I don't attract anyone. Rather than making about that, we start going, hmm, what inside of me, what is this really about? What inside of me isn't open? What is it that I'm actually afraid of? And how am I pushing energetically love away? Where am I not available? And as we start questioning and looking at that, we might start seeing our own layers of fear and pattern conditioning in why our life is reflecting and turning out the way it's turning out. Then we can begin to feel and bring healing and to bring loving and compassion to the part of ourself that is actually afraid. 
loving and compassion to that part of ourselves that's like, I'm going to be so super dependent. But deep down, we're actually afraid. And the part of us that's afraid, if we can acknowledge it and go, oh, I'm afraid of not having my needs met because it was so painful to not have my needs met. So what I need to do is feel and acknowledge the suppressed pain of not having my needs met. Otherwise, I'm always going to have this overlay of super independence. I don't need anyone of sufficiency that is kind of layering on top of it was really painful to not have my needs met. So if we can acknowledge this, then we can begin letting go of some of the the self-protective over-independence, right? And, and, And meet ourselves and hold ourselves with love and compassion and patience because many of our defense mechanisms and condition strategies that we learn to function and survive were unconsciously developed at a very young age. I love that. I love that back and forth of the awareness of it and the feeling of it. That just awareness, feeling, so, and compassion. So yes. complete. Like we need both. And our, our mind will want to keep us thinking about it and solving problems. So I just think it's so huge what you're saying about going into just the energy of it as well. That's huge. Awesome. Thank you so much yes. for this conversation. Can Thank you tell you. people, I'll share all your links to your books, your, sure. your book, Magic of Surrender, which we talked a lot about, but you have other ones as well. Um, where else can people find out about you? Yeah, my main website, Coot Blackson, K-U-T-E, CootBlackson.com. Uh, twice a year I do for people that want to go truly through a process and a deep dive transformational experience. I do an event in Bali. It's called Boundless Bliss, 12 days in Bali. We dive deep and I take people through a a, a systematic healing process. Uh, It's a a really profound seminar. They can go to www.boundlessblissbali.com. That's boundlessblissbali.com. My my podcast on iTunes, Soul Talk, is a free resource. Um, Instagram, Coot Blackson. Facebook, Coot Love Now. Awesome. I'll share it all. Thank you so much. Love talking with you. Beginning tomorrow, November 22nd, and lasting for just one week through Tuesday, November 29th, you can get the Little School of Big Change self-study for only $49. That's $200 less than the lowest price we've ever offered it at. The Little School of Big Change self-study will be part of a bundle of digital courses that will be available for just one week for only $49. So you not only get LSBC, you get access to 23 other digital courses from coaches and course creators around the world. If you've been waiting to check out the Little School of Big Change, there could not be a better time. You'll have lifetime access to the course so you can go through the self-paced course when it's convenient for you and as often as you want. Make sure you're on my email list so that you'll receive notifications about this incredible opportunity. Again, the bundle will be on sale for just one week from November 22nd until the 29th. The 2023 Change Coach Training Program is a six-month, highly supportive, small group training where you'll get to observe and debrief a ton of coaching before doing a ton of coaching yourself with support and feedback the whole way through. You'll leave the program feeling confident and ready to work with others and with the option of becoming a certified change coach. This program is unlike any other in terms of the personal feedback, guidance, and support you receive. The 2023 training is filling up, so check out all the details at dramyjohnson.com slash coach training.